All right, so now that I have the handheld, so now I have to preach for real. Amen. All right. See, this is the teaching mic. This is the preaching mic, all right? So now you're going to get the Pentecostal black guy. Amen. So it, it is what it is. It is what it is. Are you ready for the word? Say yes. Amen. Today, I want to share with you something that has been on my heart, something that's been burning in me because it's something that God has been doing in me. So I, I want to share that with you. Before I continue, I also want to honor uh, my sister and my brother-in-law are here. My sister just got ordained this weekend, and so we're excited for her. Stand up so they can see who you are. Would you clap for them? We're so grateful. Bruce and Rhonda Willis, they are ministers and elders in their church, and we're very grateful. I have a cousin here. I love you wherever you went. I don't see him, but wherever you are. Oh, there he is. I love you, man. Good to see you. We're so grateful. All right, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 19, it says this. I want to rerun scripture to you. It says, as a face is reflected in water, this is the New Living Translation, so the heart reflects the real person. The heart reflects the real person. So I want to minister from the topic, I've had a change of heart. I've had a change of heart. Father, we pray that you would just be with us today. We thank you for your word that is going to go forth, and we pray that it will go forth with power and with clarity and with understanding. I thank you, Father, that your word is real and it is active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing unto the division of soul and spirit and of joint and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of the hearts of men. Father, would you have your way today? In Jesus' name, amen. My friends, the physical heart is the epicenter of a human being. Your physical heart, your literal heart, beats about 100,000 times within 24 hours. It contracts about 4,000 times an hour. The blood in the human body weighs about 25 pounds, and it all travels through your heart every four minutes. Uh, it's powerful and it's necessary uh, because it's the center of the human body. But my friends, your spiritual heart is just as important to the aspects of who you are. And I want to ask you something today, church. Is your heart in a good place with the Lord? The heart is mentioned over a thousand times throughout the Bible and it's far more than just a bodily organ. The spiritual heart is the seat of your emotions. The spiritual heart is the center of your life, which affects the moral and the intellectual part of who you are. Your heart, your spiritual heart, is where you develop your thoughts, your desires, your sense of purpose, your will, your understanding, your character. All of that comes out of your heart. It affects everything you do in your life, how you think, how you respond, how you make decisions, how you perceive things. The heart is so deeply affected by everything that is going on that if your heart is not in a good place, then you don't make the right decisions. If your heart is not in a good place, then you don't have the right discernment to be able to see what God is saying. And my friends, I believe that the heart is, has been so affected by the fall of man that we don't even fully understand the magnitude of it until we get into the presence of God and he begins to expose the heart so that you can see who you really are. And once the heart is transformed and you become more like your father in heaven, when the heart is transformed, then you can walk in power and in the anointing and in the glory that God has called you to. Somebody say amen. And the heart is, is powerful. I want you to think of the motor of your vehicle, that if the motor of your vehicle goes out, then the car is not good. And the only way to correct that is to put a new motor inside the car. And, and I believe that today that there are people who think they need a new church, and they don't need a new church, they need a new heart. They think they need a new spouse. They don't need a new spouse. They need a new heart. 
You don't need another child. You need a new heart. What's going on in your heart? I believe if God changes your heart, he doesn't have to give you a new job. You can be effective on the job that you're on. Because if we are light and we, if we're light, if we're the light of the world and we're the salt of the earth, God doesn't put light where light is. God puts light in darkness so that you can shine forth so that God can use you. My friends, the dark things that are going on in your life, it's not because it's the enemy. Sometimes it's God using your life to affect the darkness that is there. If you want to be used by God, you've got to be the salt of the earth. And he doesn't put salt in places where there's already salt. He puts salt in places that need to be affected by the presence of God. Are you with me today? Say yes. So what's going on in your heart, beloved? There are some things that you can know that will help you to see when your heart is drifting from the Lord. When you start holding on to things longer than you should, my friends, your heart is drifting from the Lord. When you find yourself not having grace and you don't have mercy, when you have a habit of being carnal and fleshly in your responses, that means your heart is drifting from the Lord. I see when people first get saved, we're reminded of David. He says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. But what happened is when David started dealing with the things that he was dealing with, his heart started drifting from the Lord. And when you drift from the Lord, there are things that convict you at one point that no longer convict you because you've drifted away from the Lord. It is only being in the presence of God that it exposes the things that's in your heart. Remember my scripture that the heart reflect the real person. An unchanged heart will make you do things that you never thought that you would do, and it'll make you say things you never thought that you would ever say. Mark chapter 7, verse 21, it says like this. For from within, everyone say within. Oh, y'all sound good. Say within. It says within. Out of a person's heart comes what? Evil thoughts, sexual immorality, Theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride. And this is my favorite one, foolishness. Because there are some things that just, that they don't have a category really. And so, and so in the NLT, I like it because he just says, I will just call it foolishness. He says, all these things, all of these vile things come from within. Within where? It comes from within the heart. These are the things that, we're, that people are dealing with on a daily basis, and, and it's because there are thoughts that come to you, and they come inside the heart. In the Bible, the word heart and thought would be synonymous in many scriptures because it's out of the heart that we begin to deal with these things. So then my question is, church, what are the makings of a changed heart? Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. It's long, but it's really good. Number one is this. A changed heart is careful to not turn from the Lord. It's careful to not turn from the Lord. I'm, I'm so concerned about Christianity today because if you look at the stats, especially after COVID, it's been so difficult for people to get back in their relationship with God. Let me be abundantly clear, not just get back to church, but to get back to a place of being on fire for God, loving God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength, to where we're not dependent on the government, we're not depending on our spouse, we're not depending on family, we're not depending on anything but the Lord. I'm concerned. For Christianity today, people of God, I'm concerned because I'm, I'm concerned because what, what I believe is happening in the world is that there is a great falling away from the Lord because there are things that have been allowed to, to creep into the hearts. And instead of rejecting those things out, we've accepted them and suddenly they begin to pull us away from the Lord. So Hebrew says this. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. 
You must warn each other every day while it is still today. You see, this is why we want you to be in a growth group. This is why we want you to be in a small group. Because when you're in a small group and you're doing life with people and their family is with your family and, and you're hanging out together and you're talking and you're reading the word together and you're holding each other accountable, you know what's happening in that growth group? We are helping each other not fall away. He tells us at the very end of the days that you have to be careful. He has to shorten the day because even the elect will be saved. Those who have deep roots in God can fall away when nobody, when, when nobody is around them to encourage them. Hey, you got a little error in your doctrine right there. We got to work on that a little bit. Hey, I haven't seen you spend time with God in a while. We got to work on that. You need someone encouraging you, pushing you. Come on, somebody. You need someone to encourage you, to lift you up when you're down. That's why you need to be in a small group. You need to be in a small group. Israel would turn from the Lord. Their heart would get hardened. Are you still with me? Say yes. I hope this is okay. They would turn away from the Lord. And, and Jeremiah says this. Jeremiah 3.15, it says this. And I will give you shepherds after my own heart. God wants leaders who are after his heart. He talks about David. David was a man after my own heart. He wants leaders. He wants churches. He wants congregations. He wants members to be after his heart. Are you after God's heart today or has your heart turned to something else? Has, heart, has your heart turned towards your retirement account? Has your heart turned towards that sin habit that you may still be dealing with? Has your heart turned away to something else? Are you going after something else? Because God would judge Israel many times because they would turn away from him. Jeremiah 17, 10, it says, but I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives, and I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. The actions Come from the heart. He says to be careful not to turn from the Lord. Beloved, when I was 18 years old, I got hired at the YMCA in Dallas. And I was a camp counselor, which means that I was a glorified babysitter, basically. And I was responsible for, I had a group of six and seven-year-olds. Praise God. And there, there were about 15 of them I was responsible for. And, and the job was okay. It was a lot emotionally. The job was okay. The pay was horrible. But, but you know, I, it was a job. So, you know, I had to do it because I needed a job. And every Wednesday, we would take a field trip. I loved field trip day. I enjoyed it because we got to get out. We got to go places for free. Amen. I love that part of the job. Well, one day we went to the zoo, and there is nothing more frustrating than trying to get 15, 6- and 7-year-old boys and girls uh, to all be on one accord. Do I have any parents in the room who understand what I'm talking about today? Mm -hmm. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, we got off the bus, and as we're, get, we're getting them off the bus, and I say to one kid, where's your shoe? I don't know where's my shoe. Where's your shoe? I don't know where's my shoe. Go back and get your shoe. And he goes back, and another kid is crying. Why are you crying? I can't find my lunchbox. What, what do you mean? I just can't find my lunchbox. I want my lunchbox. The kid, okay, go find your lunchbox. Why are you crying? I want my mommy. Your mommy's not here. I want my mommy. And it was just so emotionally draining for an 18-year-old who's not married and has no kids and does not understand. <laughs> Ooh, it was a lot. So we get them all off the bus, and, and I divide them up into groups. And, and, and I say, okay, you, you five come with me, everybody. Grab pens, and let's go. And we're walking, and I look back, and I don't have five. I have four. And I get in a panic. Oh, Jesus, where's the other kid? And, and so the kid, I realized that this kid wanted to go off and go into the souvenir store. Get back over here. And I get that kid to come back, and we keep walking. And I look back, and I don't have five. I have three where the other two kids go. This one went to go look at the giraffe, and this one went to go look at the pterodactyl. I mean, not pterodactyl. But, you know, the elephants. 
went to look at the elephants. And so, and so they're, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. And, and, and it, it was so frustrating. It was so frustrating. And then the Lord spoke to me when I was thinking about this and saying, but that's how so many of my people are, that I'm trying to take you somewhere, but you keep getting distracted. I'm trying to show you your purpose, but you keep going in other directions. That you are fine in one moment, and in the next moment, something keeps pulling for your attention. But I came to tell somebody in this room today that if you can get focused, you can walk in the purposes of God. That if you can get focused, you can walk in the fullness of God. That if you can get focused, you will see things that no man has ever seen before and hear things that no man has ever heard before. Do you know what God can do in your life if you don't allow your heart to turn away? from the Lord the heart reflects the real person the heart reflects the real person number two beloved is this is that a changed heart because we're talking about the the makings of a changed heart number two a changed heart has been tested by the Lord it's been tested by the Lord. How can you tell that you know the information? I'm going to give you a test. How do I know that you've reached a certain level? Is I give you a test. When, when God desires for us to come to him, our love for him is tested by choices. Are you hearing me today? When God designed our heart, remember the, the intellectual, the emotional, the, the, the place, the seat of your emotion, how you make decisions. When he designed that, it started with the free will. The free will carries with it the opportunity to do whatever you want. But because we can do something doesn't mean that we should. Paul says it like this, and in LT it says this, and you say, 1 Corinthians 6 and 12, you say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. I'm under free will. I can do whatever I want. Yes, but doing whatever you want may cause you to drift away from the Lord. When you choose to participate in, in certain things, when you choose to allow things to, to, to grip your heart and you hold on to the things that God is trying to pry away from you, you know what happens? You begin to drift from the Lord. Your love for God will be tested. And we saw this in the Garden of Eden. In the Garden, the only reason there was a tree there in the Garden is because it was a test. Because love can't be love without there being a choice. Are you hearing me today? Do you love me with all of your heart? Do you really love me? If you love me, let me show you what my love will do. My love says this, I'll give you everything here, but the only thing you can't touch is that. And if you really love me, you won't touch that. It's a test. It's a test. It is a test, people of God. God's work of creating a new heart within us involves testing the heart. So there are some situations, hear me, people of God, where it's not the devil. There are some situations where it's actually God refining you, which means that he's removing impurities from you. He's taking unwanted elements out of you. Psalm 17.3 says, you have tested my thoughts and examined my heart in the night. You have scrutinized me and found nothing wrong, and I am determined not to sin in what I say. Deuteronomy chapter 8.2, and it says this, and you shall remember the whole way the Lord your God led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, what? Testing you to know what was in your there are times, beloved, that God will allow situations to teach you the ways of God, to teach you the things of God. Are you still with me? Please say yes. 
I, and I, I, know that, I know that what God is, has been showing me is that, Nicholas, there are ways I've been testing you through the years to see what was in you. And my friends, I'm telling you through COVID, it was a test for the church. I'm telling you through all of the, all of the tensions that have been in the atmosphere that it is a test for our faith. Come on, say amen to that, somebody. That there has been a test. And I don't know about you, but I want to pass the test. I don't know about you, but I want to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I don't know about you, but I want to hear him say, son, I'm so proud of you. You did what I called you to do. You walked in the fullness of your calling and of your destiny. I want to hear the Lord be pleased with me more than I want to please a person, more than I want my name in life, more than I want notoriety, more than I want Instagram followers. I want God to be pleased with me. Are you pleased with my prayer life? Are you pleased with the way that I worship? Are you pleased with my small group attendance? Are you pleased with how I'm accountable? Are you pleased with me? I want to be I want God to be pleased with me, but he's only pleased after he has tested you. I remember, I remember my first time flying. I love flying. I enjoy it. I love aviation. I, I have on my phone, I have little games with flying. And sometimes you'll look at me and I'm doing this and I'm, and I'm going and I'm, and I'm playing these games. I love aviation. I love to fly. I, 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 I enjoy it. I even thought about getting a pilot's license, and then uh, they told me in how the much garden, math was involved. The only reason that and I said, that's the devil, because you have letters in problems. And last time I, I thought about it, letters go in a book, not in a math problem. And so I just, I just knew that's not for me. It's not my calling. Nope, it's not for me. God said no. That was a loud no. Mm -mm. So, and, and, and so I, I looked at it and, and I thought about it. And I said, man, this would be really cool. And pilots go through so much, so much studying. I don't know if there's any pilots in the room. And if there are, please forgive me if I butcher this. But I, I, I know that they go through so much studying. There's so many levels they have to get to. And, and what's really cool is, is once they pass a certain point and they get in the plane and they start, and they start, and they start flying, then what happens is they have to get into certain scenarios and situations. And so I want you to know how to, how to deal with this plane when you have a strong headwind coming at you. I want you to know how to deal with the plane when a side wind comes at you. I want you to know how to deal with this plane if the, if the engine stops. I need you to know how to glide this plane just in case. I need you to know how to take off if it's dark and all of your instruments stop working. I need you to be aware. I need you to be aware of how this machine works. And, and, and they go through these rigorous testings and, and they fly in the wind and they, they fly in the rain and, and, and they, they go around storms and they have to turn around and they put it in a dive and, 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 and they allow them to, to see how do you get through this and and I, I thought about how God has allowed things to come at me. And I had to say, God, how do I deal with this? And there are things that hit me on the side. And, and I realized that it was God testing me. Can, can you deal with the depression and not let it overtake you? Can you deal with the disappointment and not allow it to come at you? Can, can you deal with the frustration and not allow that thing to take you out? Can you deal with these things in your life? There are testings that God will bring to you because he's trying to refine your heart. He's trying to, to do something in your life. These are the testings. These are the things that God does. He begins to move in our lives in powerful ways. God is so faithful that even through the testing he never leaves us, and he never forsakes us. Even in the testing, he shows us that I've been with you since day one, that my spirit will go before you, that I'll be your rear guard. Are you still with me today, Hill City Church? 
that he shows us that he's with us. You ought to give him 20 seconds of praise right there because he's been with you. You made it through COVID because he was with you. Your marriage survived because he was with you. You may not have the job that you had, but he's going to give you a better job. God is with you. God is with you. I need you to give him 10 seconds of praise. Clap your hands, open up your mouth, and give Jesus praise because you survived the testing. Other people died in the thing that you went through, but you are still here, and it's because of the the grace of God, I feel like preaching in this room that there are some survivors in this room and it was God who brought you through it all. Give somebody a high five, tell them I'm still here. I'm still here. I had to cry sometime, but I'm still here. I got disappointed, but I'm still here. Had to fight the depression, but I'm still here. I didn't think I was going to be, but I'm still here. I got COVID, thought I was going to die, but I'm still here. I got the flu, thought it was COVID, but I'm still here. I don't know how I survived, but when I look back, it was God through the testing. He kept my life. It was God, it was God, it was God, it was God. He, he takes you through those testings. Why? To reveal what is in your heart. Because if we love him, we will obey him. If we love him, we will keep his commandments. Which takes me to my next point. A changed heart handles things differently. It handles things differently. It comes with a new way of dealing with things. It comes with a greater desire for righteousness. It comes with a pure vision to see things correctly. You stop dealing with the battles in a way that is fleshly, and you start dealing with your battles, your struggles, your shortcomings, you start dealing with them from a spiritual perspective. Paul says this, 1 Timothy chapter 1, and I want to skip down to, I'll just read the whole thing. It says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work and considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve. Even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ and my insolence, I persecuted his people, but God had mercy on me. Because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with faith and love that come from Christ Jesus. Here we go. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them. Paul is saying, Listen, I want you to know, before I, I, before I came to Jesus, or before Jesus came to me, I was a mess. I was a bad man. I was a horrible person. Before Jesus got a hold of my life, you know what I used to do if I saw one of you Christians? I would pull you out into the street. I would get the whole city to throw stones at you. You know what I would do? I would go and I would try to find you and drag you out. You know what I would do? But before he came to Jesus or before Jesus came to him, his life was messed up. Why? Because the heart reflects the real person. But when Jesus came into his life and and ministered to him and touched him. One touch from God, one touch from Jesus, one word from the Lord is better than a thousand sermons you could ever hear. One encounter with the living God will change the trajectory of your destiny. You may be off track, but when you encounter Jesus, he will get you back on track. It doesn't matter how long you have strayed from him. If you come to Jesus just as you are and you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he will raise you up. Come on. He will lift you up. Come on. He will turn your life around. Do I have a witness? in this room 
that can testify. Pastor Nick, if you would have saw me before I came to Jesus, I was a mess. I would punch you. I would cuss you. I would cut you all at the same time. But now I've come to Jesus. I don't do that no more. I will forgive you. I will let it go. I will keep on loving you. I will keep standing there with you because Jesus changed my life. Your actions are different when your heart has been transformed and then your thoughts are different when you're transformed. Your thoughts are different because when your thoughts change, you start from looking at situations that are hopeless and you start being hopeful. When you start looking at things that are negative, you start looking at them from a positive perspective. You see the impossible and you say all things are possible to him who believes. When discouragement comes to you, you start having a confidence in your God. When you feel like not forgiving people, you know what? You find the strength to let it go. And you have to keep on forgiving. 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 I don't know who I'm talking to that's watching me online, but you got to keep on forgiving. And you got to keep on forgiving. And you have to keep on forgiving. You know why? Because every time I throw that thing off, it reminds me of how much God has done for me. It reminds me of how good he's been to me. If God was to throw in my face all that he's done for me, I could never be able to stand. But because of Jesus, Jesus being hung high and being stretched wide and dying on the cross to save me of my sins, I can be forgiven of whatever I have done, whatever mistake I have made. Do I have anybody in the room that has said, I have been forgiven of some stuff and I'm thankful. I'm thankful that he forgave me. I'm thankful that he took my sins and threw them as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. When I was a youth pastor, there was a young man who came in our ministry, and he was, he was very odd, and I couldn't understand why until one day he told me, I said, I said, man, I said, do you feel God? He says, no. I said, oh, okay. Um, I said, uh, do you feel like God's doing anything in your life? He says, nah, I'm an atheist. I said, oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Okay. I said, okay, I'll see you later. And I, and I left it alone that day, and I went, and I started praying for this guy. And I'm not talking about one of these cute prayers. You know, Lord, just save him right now. Lord, just, Lord, just do it in Jesus' name. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I, I kicked my shoes off. I started walking the floor in my home. I started praying in my prayer language. I started seeking God. And you know what? Week after week after week, I started seeing this young man's heart begin to soften. He had told one of my students, he said, I will never bow down to any God ever in my life. He was a hardcore atheist. He would study to try to uh, dismantle students' beliefs who were in my youth group. So they would come back and tell me stories about how he was at school sitting at the lunch table, basically trying to talk people out of their faith. He was coming to my youth group every week because his parents made him come. Parents, don't give up on your kid. Parents, don't give up on your kid. I don't care how discouraging it looks. Don't give up on your babies. Don't give up on your babies. Cover them in prayer. I don't care how impossible it looks. Parents, don't give up on your kid. Don't walk away. Don't back down. Don't let loose. Let me tell you what I did. I started bombarding heaven for this young man. And slowly but surely, I started seeing his heart begin to soften. One day, he got in trouble at school, really, really bad trouble. And I think this was the grace of God on his life. And he got kicked out of school. And some kids told me what happened. And I said, give me his number right now. I got his number. I called him. And I said, hey, young man. I said, what are you doing today? He says, he begins to kind of just talk about whatever. And I said, listen, come to church tonight. I need to see you. Come to church tonight. And he came to church. And I said, listen, I heard about what you did. I know what happened. I want you to know you need to be here every week. I want you to know that I love you. I want you to know that I care for you. 
I'm telling you that God did this to get your attention. I said, God has something for you. Starting tonight, you're going to be my assistant. He says, are you serious? I said, yes, starting tonight, you are my assistant going forward. I, I just, I, I said, it's okay. You're going to get saved tonight. You're going to get saved tonight. You're going to get saved tonight. I went in and I preached, I think I preached 12 minutes. And I said, all right, altar call time. This young man, I, and, and I did the altar call and then I looked at him just to make sure he remembered our conversation in the back. And he comes down. And I said, would you do me a favor? I said, would you, would you bow with me? He didn't know that I knew that he said he'll never bow to another God. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. Y'all got to excuse me because I feel like preaching in this room. I'm telling you, you can try to resist him as long as you want, but the heart of the king is in the Lord's hand, and he can turn it whichever way he wants. You can run from Jesus as long as you want to, but his grace is so sufficient. His mercy endureth longer than you can run. His mercy can outrun you. Longer than you can resist him and say no, his grace will turn a bar stool around. Come on, somebody. It'll make you pour the stuff down the drain. It'll make you throw the cigarettes out the window. I'm telling you, when God gets a hold of you, this man got saved. I started discipling him. He became one of the greatest leaders in my youth group. The, the, the guy, the guy, he progressed in his faith so quickly that he was writing scriptures and putting them on sticky notes all around his room. His parents were sending me pictures of his room. Pastor, look at what happened. This is the atheist who said he would never bow down to another God. I'm telling you, when Jesus comes into your life, he will change your thoughts. He will change your actions and you begin to handle things differently. And as I hasten to my close today, church. A changed heart, it accepts what the Holy Spirit changes. Because the work that is happening is happening through the Holy Spirit. Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came and rested on them. The Holy Spirit is the most relevant part of the Godhead for our Christian walk today. Because he's the one who will lead you into truth. He's the one who re will rebuke the world. He's the one who gives guidance and direction. The Holy Spirit is the one who begins to point out subtle things in our lives. And it shows us God's grace and his hand and his mercy. That the Holy Spirit just doesn't just make you shout and he does that. Doesn't just make you dance and he can do that too. But the Holy Spirit helps you to live godly in an ungodly world. He reminds you, don't remember, this is not your final destination. You are just passing through. Your passport is of a different kingdom. You've been marked by the Lord, Ephesians chapter 1, around verse 13 and 14, it talks about the Holy Spirit is the seal of our salvation, sealing us until the day of his return. For when we shall hear the sound of the trumpet and the dead in Christ shall arise and those on the earth shall, shall rise up and meet him in the air. I, I, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is so powerful and so relevant. But one of the things that he does that could be so painful at times is he begins to provoke change in our lives. He begins to say, hey, you got a root of bitterness there. Let's deal with that right now. Hey, I, I, I see some pride in your heart. Let's begin to deal with that. Ephesians chapter 4, it says this. I want to start in verse 22. It says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life which is corrupted by lust and deception instead let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitude he says put on your new 
nature. My friends, your heart was made to look like the moral, intellectual, and spiritual aspect of your father in heaven. Does your heart, your mind, your will, your emotions, does it look like God? Or does it look like what hurt God? As many people have received Christ, but they haven't allowed him to be the Lord over the throne of their heart. So we still look like the things that we deal with. We still look like the things that we haven't surrendered. We still look like the things we haven't let go of. Zechariah says this seven in Zechariah chapter seven, verse 12, it says, they made their hearts diamond hard, lest they should hear the law and the words of the Lord of hosts that have been sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Therefore, great anger came from the Lord. As we go, as we talk about the heart, every heart is going to be tested. And many times tested by fire. But the difference between the hearts depends on what it's made of. Because when fire hits clay, it becomes hard. But when fire hits wax, it melts. When, when God begins to show you things, does your heart get hard and you resist it? Or do you fall on the throne of mercy and grace? Because none of us deserve what God has done. He paid a debt that we did not owe to give us a life that we didn't deserve. None of us deserve it. But it was his grace and his mercy because the heart, my friends, reflects the real you. I remember watching the show called Undercover Boss. Love that show. It, it's made me leery of my senior pastor. I told my pastor, I say, please don't come in here dressed like a plumber or something like that. Really fun show. One that really stuck out to me, I'll make a long story short. One that really stuck out to me was this young, this boss who went to a sandwich restaurant that he owned. And he was treated so bad by this young guy. Oh, he called him an idiot and told him he was stupid. And oh, and this is the first time he's ever met this guy. And he was so nasty to him. And as you know, you get to the end of the show and they reveal that, that this person who was being trained is actually the CEO of the company. He walks in. He says, do you remember me? He says, no. He says, I'm such and such, but I'm really the CEO of this company. He says, I want you to know you were one of the worst employees I've ever met in my life. I've never met someone who's as nasty as you are to people. So mean, so degrading to people. And, and you know, when I left there, I was on the phone with our executive team, and you know what the outcome of that was. But you know what? had a change of heart. And I'm not going to fire you like you deserve, but this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you from being the manager for a few months, and I'm going to send you to this city, and you're going to go and train under such and such, because I need you to understand how we do things here at this restaurant. And, and also, after you do that, then I'm going to send you here, because I need you to learn good customer service in this restaurant. And I want you to know that the only reason that you still have a job today is because I had a change of heart. And I, I, I'm telling you, you, I was going to fire you, but I'm not. And if this employee said, no, I don't want to do any of that, he would have lost his job. But because he accepted the changes that the Holy Spirit, that, that, that his boss made, he was able to move forward in this company. And he's doing well today. My friend, I don't know what the Holy Spirit is de dealing with you right now. But it's time to have a change of heart about some things. The hour is getting late. The time is growing short. 
And if our hearts are not in the right place, it's going to hinder us on some of the things that God has. Would you please stand to your feet with me today? Come on out, worship team. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for what God is doing. I can sense in this room right now that as I've been ministering, that the Holy Spirit's been showing you somebody you need to forgive. He's been showing you areas where you need to repent. He's showing you that, that there's some things that he has for you as far as your purpose and your destiny that he's laid out for you. There have been things that you've allowed to hinder that in your life. The heart reflects the real you. We can hide from man. We can, we can put on the right clothes. We can smell good. We can look good. We can have it all done on the outside. That's all great. But the Lord is looking at what's happening on the inside. What do you need to surrender to him today? What do you need to surrender so you can have your peace again? What do you need to surrender so you can have a good night's rest again? What do you need to surrender so that you can go back to trusting because somewhere along the way you stop trusting because your heart is so hard what is he revealing to you about your walk with him there's some who've trusted more in what the media said what their friends say more than they trust in what God is saying it's time to have a change of it's time to come and say, God, I know that I got some stuff I got to work on. But I'm coming just as I am. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need your love more than I ever had before. Would you feel me today? Would you just lift your hands in the air right now, Father? We receive what you're I can see that the Holy Spirit is ministering to you right now. Lord, we just receive it right now in Jesus' name. I receive your love. I receive your mercy. I receive your peace. Lord, change my heart right now. Lord, change my heart right now. I got to be honest, if I died today, I don't think I'd go to heaven. I, I'm not sure that I even know God. I, Dave was awesome and I've heard such truth, but I've been running away from the Lord. I've been there, but it's a miserable space to abide in. And even as the word that was brought forth to us today, that's been God that's been pulling at your heart. That's God. A preacher can't do that, a you know, relative, a friend. Only God can touch that to say, oh, I need to change. I need something to happen. The Bible says it like this. If you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that he'll forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're in a position where you say, I need to change, I need God in my life, then, friend, I'd like to lead you in a prayer of repentance, a prayer of confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that Jesus is the Christ. I think it's so neat that the Bible doesn't tell us we have to go to church to be saved. It doesn't tell us we have to give to the poor to be saved. These are all things that we do after we've experienced His goodness and His love and, we've, and God has changed our life. We just naturally do those things out of love for others because of the great love that Jesus has bestowed upon us to forgive us of our sins. And so today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Pastor, you're talking to me. It's time. I need to get right with the Lord. I need to repent. I need to confess with my mouth and believe in my heart. I need Jesus in my life. I want to repent of my sins. With no one looking around, here's what I'm going to have you do in just a moment. I'm going to have you throw up your hands. Say, Pastor, that's me. And then I'm going to lead you in a prayer of repentance. We're not going to zoom in the cameras on you. This is deep. This is private. This is eternal decision that you're making. 
but I want to pray with you and I want to lead you in a prayer of repentance right in your seat. I'm not going to call you forward. Not, not, not going to embarrass you. This is your moment with your God. But as the pastor here, I want to lead you in that connection with Jesus. And so today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, that's you. Say, pastor, pray for me. It's time. I'm ready to ask Jesus into my life. I'm ready to make a change. If that's you, would you just throw up your hand so I know who I'm praying with and who I'm leading in prayer? Amen. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you for responding to God. That's God tugging at your heart. Anyone else? I'll give you about two more seconds. Pastor, I don't want to live like this anymore. It's time. It's time. I want to repent of my sins. I want Jesus in my life. You put your hands down. And I'm going to lead you in this prayer. Prayer of repentance. I want you to repeat this prayer out loud right from where you're standing but I want you to mean it from the deep places of your heart and I'd ask everyone in the audience to pray out loud alongside of us as we go before the Lord and ask Him to change us. I'd like to say Jesus today I admit I'm a sinner and I recognize I've sinned against you but here and now I repent I turn from my sin change my mind I don't want to live like this Jesus have my heart have my body, have my soul. I declare Jesus is my Lord. I bow my heart and I declare I'm yours forever. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in your book of life. I'm yours forever in Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed for just a moment. Father, I pray right now that there would be this engagement with you that that seems real because it is. Lord, I just pray, Lord God, that in this moment, that the joy, the Bible talks about the joy of our salvation, that these men and women who just cried out to you, they begin to sense, wait a minute, I'm not fighting with God anymore. There's no elephant in the room anymore. I'm not running away from, I surrendered. And Lord, may that create that joy of, you know what, if I died out there driving through an intersection down the road, I would immediately be welcomed into Jesus' presence. He would hold me tight in his arms, and he loves me forever because I've called out to him saved me today. Lord, may that joy and then Lord, your word also talks about the peace. The peace, oh God. So I just pray peace into each of these, oh God, that have called on your name. And then Lord, I pray that you get them in some good Christian friendships. In this church, wherever they may be from this point forward, Lord, good, godly folks, Lord God, that are walking it out just alongside. And Lord, I speak life over them now. And we bless you in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. And amen. Can we thank the Lord for what he's done today? So good. Can we thank Pastor hey, Thank you for joining us online here at Hill City. We're so honored that you would take the time to join us remotely and to celebrate the goodness of Jesus. I hope that word spoke to you. I hope that you were blessed today. And I hope that you are encouraged to go forth in the confidence of Jesus this week wherever you are. If you made a decision today uh, to serve Jesus for the first time, we want to celebrate with you. Would you text DECIDED to 469-606-2684? And uh, we want to respond and again, just connect with you and celebrate the beginning of an amazing discipleship journey with Jesus. Don't forget, next week we are here again, same place, same time, 9 o'clock and 11. And until then, we hope you have an amazing week.